Alright, three, two, one. So Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Omarpreneur Live podcast. And in this episode, I am joined by my friend and brother Mudassar Chowdhury. Thank you and salamu alaikum Mudassar. It's a pleasure to have you, my man. It's an honor to have you. And just to introduce him briefly, let you know who this is and why I wanted to bring him on this podcast. Mudassar is the assistant manager in Erson Young's Sustainable Business Practice Division. And that's where they specialize in providing culture, diversity, and inclusion services to clients. And the reason why I want to talk to him today is during his time at Ernst Young, he has taken it upon himself to revive and grow the EY Muslim community. And this is a community within the organization that has turned into one of the largest global networks with 700 plus members. So 700 plus Muslims within the organization. And even outside of EY, you can find with us that consistently fundraising for a variety of humanitarian causes. He's hosting large networking events to build cohesion in corporate and business environments. And not only that, but he really just is a well-rounded individual who understands how to build connections and meaningful relationships. And this is going to be our main topic today. So, salam alaikum. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to dive in. And thank you for being here with us. I really appreciate it. Waalaikumsalam. No, thank you very much, Abby, for having me on. Uh, entrepreneurialist uh, <laughs> podcast. It's just genuinely an honor to be here. Honestly, it's an honor to have you, my man. And we really start every single podcast by having the guests share their story. I want our audience to know a little bit more about you, a bit more about your background and how you became who you are today. So can you tell us more about your journey growing up and how you ended up at EY? Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up quite similar to most Asian, Pakistani, Muslim people. I grew up in London, you know, my parents were blue-collar workers, had a very average, normal, alhamdulillah, very grateful, you know, childhood, went to a normal secondary school, went to a normal sixth form, you know, nothing nothing out of the ordinary like you'd think or you'd say. Um, and I guess what changed for me was at the age of 17, I did an internship by accident at Ernst & Young. And at, at that stage, you know, I was still... A teenager, very set and going to university, following the normal, you know, modes of success and routes of success. Until, you know, that internship really changed my way of thinking. Mm. I, I realized, you know, you can be successful without going to university, coming from a modest background, having 30, 40, 50,000 pounds worth of university debt didn't sound appealing. And working in an organization where I felt I could be who I am. I thought, why not give it a try? Mm -hmm. And alhamdulillah, that was in 2014. And since then, I've done many weird and wonderful things. I've traveled across the globe, you know, become the co-chair mm -hmm. of the Muslim community at the firm, mm -hmm. you know, gone and won the BAME Apprentice, Apprentice of the Year Award in 2019. And whenever I think about all of these things, I guess the defining part for me is that, of course, alhamdulillah, I'm very grateful for all the blessings I've been granted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also for the upbringing my parents gave me. I feel mm -hmm. like those deeply rooted morals and ethics and values that were embedded within me from childhood is what's, you know, become a catalyst for my success, not only in the corporate world, but, you know, in my personal outgoings and in, in my personal relationships. And that's really been the key for me. 100%. That's amazing, mashallah. I want to know a little bit more about your childhood, if that's okay, because, you know, I relate to you in, 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 in very closely because I decided as well to take a non-traditional approach to my career and to education. But I want to rewind 
and understand, was there an influence from your parents growing up? How was it like growing up for you? How many siblings did you have? Can you walk us through a little bit of what that context was like for you? Yeah, of course. So, so I'm the youngest of three siblings. So I've got an elder brother and an elder sister. Um, and my mum and dad are the eldest within their siblings. And like most you know, ethnic Asian families in, in the UK and in the States and Canada and across the world, you know, my, my dad came to this country with nothing. You know, 22-year-old, he still says, you know, he came in with a £10 note in his back pocket. And that was all he had. And he came in with the responsibility of, you know, not only setting up his life here in Britain, but, you know, looking after and setting up his younger siblings, you know, making a more comfortable living for his parents, whilst at the same time, you know, starting his own family, you know, and starting from scratch here. And I feel from, from a young age, just those morals around hard work and not only, you know, working not just for yourself, and it, it goes back to the prophetic way, you know, of giving you know, not only your time and your attention, but giving your financial means, giving support, giving emotional support and being all of those things for your family and your community. And I guess it was those values for me that really were entrenched within within me and helped me succeed in the corporate world. You know, growing up, when I see that, you know, my mom was working from home and looking after three families and looking after three kids and, you know, you might think, oh, stay, being a stay-at-home mom is really easy. Alhamdulillah, we've moved a lot as a society and we've realized how difficult that is. But, you know, growing up and seeing, you know, my dad working through different jobs and, you know, leaving home at six o'clock in the morning and coming back at 2 a.m. at night, all those things growing up, which you don't really realize. But the more I grow up, the more I see of the world, the more I speak and interact with people, I realize how key those things were within me and how they just embedded within me as, you know what, this is the norm. This is how you live. This isn't something special this isn't something extraordinary this is just how you live life Mm -hmm. and it goes back to that point of how you know what your parents do and how they interact really entrenches within you i see with my niece now right like i've got a water bottle and if i literally open my water bottle she'll jump into my lap to try and open the water bottle and you know if i'm on my phone trying to reply to an email she'll quickly jump into my lap and try and take the phone despite only being 18 months or 20 months old and it shows that how the actions we do as individuals, especially around young children and kids, really makes a huge impact on them without without us ever realizing, without us ever thinking, oh, we're role models or, you know, we're leading people. Mm-hmm. That, that's really beautiful to hear. So that really the aspect of servitude and service and hard work was implemented at an early age for you. And you were surrounded by that growing mm-hmm. up and growing up, you joined EY and you found the Muslim community, you, you essentially, when you arrived, and I remember we spoke about this, the EYMC, the Ernst Young Muslim community, wasn't very active. It wasn't very alive. And you had a need to revive it. You felt that this is, this is something that I want to do. And why is this not active? Why did I not even know about it? How can, I, how can I bring this to life? But before we even talk about how you did that and the process you went through, why did you feel that need in the first place? There's clearly a sense of community within you, a sense of belonging, a sense of wanting people to build those connections and wanting people to be more of an ummah together and to connect. Why do you feel, in your opinion, that you have that sentiment? Uh, it's interesting you say that, right? Because I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't see it as, oh, I have this thing in me where I want to do this. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like a natural thing but if i was trying to try and pin it down and put a finger on it what, what i'd say is where i grew up with 
you know, around a very big family, alhamdulillah, you know, around a very active community, you know, active from not only a religious point of view, but from a cultural point of view, you know, you have a big wedding, someone passes away, away, everyone's together, there's an issue, everyone gets together and solves it. And to me, it was, you know, having a community, having a strong community is what makes success happen. You know, being yeah. individualistic not only goes against the, you know, the prophetic way of unity and compassion and being joint and being a strong fist, but it also goes against, you know, hu human nature as humans, we're made to interact with one another, we're made to connect with one another, we're made to make relationships with one another. And to me, it was, you know, wow, we're a bit disenfranchised here. You know, we're a bit further away here. And I, I guess to put it in context, the, the community I grew up with in and around East London, it's very sheltered, right? So everyone pretty much looks the same. Everyone mm -hmm. pretty much believes the same thing. Everyone pretty much does the same thing. You know, you share values, you share the same morals. Everything is uniform. So from the age of... When I, you know, when I was born till the age of 18, I lived within that community. You know, I was very sheltered within that community. And, and to step out of that community and move into the world of work, like I still remember at the age of 18 when I came to work for the first time and, and I saw a Pret, which is like a really famous brand here. I was like, what is this? Why is this on every single corner of every single road? But to me, that was something really new. And it was the same with the workplace. So the reason why I felt I needed to make that because I saw the benefits it had for myself, for my family, you know, for my parents, for my uncles and aunts, for people within my community. I saw how important it was, not just from a, you know, financial finance is one aspect of living, right? But from mm -hmm. an emotional well-being perspective, from a mental health perspective, from, you know, just being a human perspective, having other humans who think like you, who, you know, feel like you, who know what you're going through, is such 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 a big pillar of strength in times of hardship and i've seen it for other people you know i've seen it for myself and i knew that we need to be able to create a society and an environment for muslims and not only muslims you know we need to create an environment for humans where they feel that connection with one another where they feel you know they can inspire one another learn from one another develop from one another and that's it ultimately goes back to the prophetic way of doing things, right? Prophet you know, always, you know, inspired people. He connected with people. You know, every companion, radiallahu says, you know, oh, I thought I was the Prophet's favorite because the way he interacted with me. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes we disconnect from that aspect of the prophetic character and we, we tend to give all our energy and time to those who we feel like need it rather than, you know, to everyone, the way the Prophet did. 100% and I agree with that and I think I was watching this documentary yesterday about uh, minimalism actually and they talked not only about you know the need that we have the growing need to purchase material items and you know trying to fulfill a gap within us through possessions when instead what we're really starving for and what we're really hungry for is human interaction and building meaningful connections and meaningful relationships because that is truly what satisfies us and brings us benefit to our soul, to our spirit, and not just to our nafs. And you joined Erston Young and discovered there was a Muslim community about nine months in, right? So tell us more about that. Tell us more. How, did you even know about it when you first joined? And why did it only? Why did it take you nine months to find out it even exists? Mm -hmm. I, I guess you got to understand, right? So like I said, I came from a sheltered community. So to me, my biggest worry was, 
okay, look, I've come from a school and a college where, you know, you get breaks to go and pray. You know, when it when it's Eid and Ramadan, everyone around you knows it's Eid and Ramadan. You get time off and it's very, very normal and there's like nothing out of the ordinary. And for me, the worry was, okay, now I'm going into the corporate world. I knew probably, I'd say five people in, in the corporate world. And that was, you know, relatives or friends of friends or someone, you know, not really close to me. Right. So, you know, you're because humans were scared of the unknown, right? When when you don't know what the what you're going into, you're a bit skeptical, you're a bit worried. So for me, I just literally was look, oh, I'm grateful to just be here, right? Because you know, I'm at such a big organization, I'm at such a big place, and I didn't really understand the impact of the place I'm in at until I really joined and I realized, whoa, this is humongous. Like, you know, for me before I joined, it was a it was a Wikipedia search that I was like, oh. Yeah, sounds like a big company. I'll apply. Versus you know, when, when you walk through the door and you see, you know, a hundred and fifty inch, you know, plasma screen across the reception, and you're just like, whoa. For <laughs> me, it was okay. I'm just grateful to be here. I'm just gonna initially, right? I was. I'm just gonna bide my time. You know, do do my work, go home. Like 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 everyone around me that I knew at that time, those five people did, right? Do mm. do your work, make yourself successful, go home. But right. Like many things in my life, Alhamdulillah, I was blessed with a very, very good company when I joined. And, you know, we joined as a group of people and there was three or four brothers that, you know, very, very good friends of mine now, actually some of my best friends at the minute, who I joined with. And when I connected with these people, I realized, look, you know, we haven't grown up together. All of us have grown up in different areas. You know, all of us have different backgrounds, have different experiences. But why have we been able to connect with one another? You know, what's made us come close to one another? And it was what? It was our values and our faith that connected you know, me me to him, him to him. And I realized, you know, if I can connect with someone who's not grown up similar to me and someone that hasn't grown up similar to me can connect to me, this can happen on an exponential scale. You know, it can be really scaled up. So then I started finding, okay, who's more people I can, you know, connect with? And it wasn't from, you know, I want to connect with people to succeed or, you know, go further. It was literally... I'm excited to meet other people now. I just want to interact with different people. Mm. So walking in, you know, the prayer room was really important for me. And it was one of the reasons why I joined, you know, when I did my internship, I, they were like, you know, if someone needs to pray for your Friday prayers. The organizer was like, Yo, if someone wants to do Friday prayers, you know, we've got a room there. And I was like, oh, wow, these guys are actually telling me to pray. I was thinking, you know, how am I going to smuggle it in at lunch or something? So for me, I knew then that this is, this is definitely the place I want to work at. And I just started meeting more and more brothers at the prayer room. And Alhamdulillah, as a community, especially in the UK, especially in London, you know, Muslims are great at making people feel welcome. Mm. You know, especially in the corporate world, Muslims are absolutely amazing in how they make you feel so welcome, like you belong here. So I remember walking into prayer room and someone, you know, you never know, you've never seen, like, Islam alaikum, brother, are you new? You know, where are you working? What are you doing? Where are you from? And if you have any questions, you've got any worries, let me know. If you want to go grab some lunch, let me know. And, and I felt so, you know, welcome. And I felt like this is this is the place I want to be. And that network grew and grew and grew. But still then it was just an informal group of, you know, guys and girls just connecting with one another. Right. And it wasn't till a bit later on that I was more settled within the firm, that I was more, you know, understanding, okay, this is, this is how you actually do the job I've been, you know, uh, recruited to do. And this is how, you know, 
you turn up to work and this is how you speak in meetings. And I started learning all those simple things. Mm-hmm. It was then that I was like, okay, you know, where's, where, where is stuff for the Muslim community and stuff? And it was there, right? And, you know, the people that were running it there were doing a really hard job because six years ago, the world is very different to what it is now, right? Six years ago, you know, religion, race, you know, all these other things that are really prominent in our society today weren't prominent, you know. They were just there in the background ticking through, whereas today it's right in your face. And today, you know, every company's got a statement around diversity and inclusion and every company's got, you know, a pillar of diversity and, you know, a head of HR, a head of DNI. Six years ago, that wasn't really a thing for anyone. Not, and I don't think it was from an area of, you know, you know, hatred or area of, you know, just not wanting to get involved, but it was just from, it didn't really affect them. You know, it didn't affect business. Business was just to do business. You know, you come in, speak to your clients, do your job, go home. So when, when I saw there was a Muslim network, I was like, oh, this sounds cool. I, I, I'm going to go to an Eid dinner, sign up to the Muslim network list, went to an Eid dinner, and I was absolutely shocked, right? Because I, I, I saw so many different people in the prayer rooms. So I was expecting, you know, I'm going to see this brother here, I'm going to see that brother there. I walked in, and I didn't see anyone there. And I was like, where, where are all the people that I see every day, right? Not, none of them are here. Right, like, so I feel a bit out of place now. Luckily, I brought a friend with me because otherwise, I'm completely out of place here, and it's just like a completely different scene. And there's different types of people here, and there's different types of Muslims here. And I, I remember that dinner so so clearly. I still remember which seat I sat on. I still remember who sat next to me, who sat in front of me, and we had a really great conversation. And I was like, I'm new here, so tell me more about the network. Mm-hmm. And the person who's a very good friend of mine now, she she was telling me how, you know oh, this is what we do. We host like an e-dinner once a year. We might do like a charity initiative once a year. And subhanAllah, I was like, oh, okay, that, that, that's nice. And it's better than better than I would expect. But to me, in, in the back of my head, I was still a bit, okay, where are all the guys? Like, did like everyone just like have, have another event or like what? So <laughs> the next day and then a few days after, you know, when I met with people, I was like, oh, brother, where were you? Where were you like last Friday on that e-dinner? Oh, bro, that's not really my scene. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, oh, bro, I've got a family. You know, I, I didn't want to stay after work after 5.30 and, you know, spend it with colleagues. I wanted to go home. Mm. And to me, it was a bit, and I guess I, I speak from an area of privilege, right? And I realized a lot of stuff I do say is an amalgamation of the different privileges I've had in my life. But to me, I was like, you know what? Like work, if you treat work as work, it becomes onerous. It becomes a pain in the backside. And you probably realize this with all the entrepreneurs you have on here, right? They do things which they love to do. And for them, they don't see it as work. They see it as, you know, building a community. They see it as building, you know, their brand. And they see it as something they're enjoying. So for them, it's not work. It's it's a way of life. And I wanted to get into a place where, you know, my work is not just, you know, clocking in and clocking out, but rather it's somewhere where I enjoy myself. It's somewhere where I feel like I'm giving back to my community. It, it's somewhere I feel like, you know, doing all these amazing things that I would normally do in my personal life, but I can do it at work. So right. I, I thought, look, there's, there's two ways I can go around this, right? I can either become like these people, and again, not from an area of discontent or, you know, disheartenment, but I can become like that person who comes in, does the time, goes home, or I can try and, you know, connect with a different type of people, connect with a different group of people, learn about, you know, why they think networking is more important than, you know, 
praying per se, let's say, and try and become a bit of a middleman between two different groups of Muslims and try and reconcile it and see you know, how can we make the Muslim community at, at my firm more united to ultimately become a place where people feel proud to be a Muslim and people, you know, don't have to hide the fact that they're going downstairs to praise Allah or don't have to, you know, be scared when a meeting's come up and it's Jummah and they can't they can't just say, hey, you know, I got to go. I can't make this meeting or, you know, it's Ramadan and they need to hide the fact that they're fasting or, you know, they don't feel comfortable enough to go to a pub or a bar because they don't want to be in that place. And to me, that was, you know, I was lucky enough to do it, but I knew not everyone might have that opportunity. Not everyone might have the confidence. Not everyone might have all of these things. So I started on that journey of, look, you either, what I learned from my parents was you either sit back and you complain or, or you go and do what you need to do to make changes. And to me, it was easy. Look, I need to make changes. So, you know, the way I see things, other people will hopefully see things in a similar way and we can create a more lasting, a more fruitful community for everyone. And that's pretty much how, you know, th that journey started. I want to ask you, uh, my man, because with what you're saying, I know that after the fact, after you witnessed this and you're like, okay, you felt this way uh, and you wanted all these things to happen. You wanted that community to thrive within the workplace and bring all of these people from different extremes or different walks of life or opinions together. Mm -hmm. You, Alhamdulillah, have grown this community now to over 700 plus members. And we have a lot of, of entrepreneurs that watch this, a lot of business owners who also are trying to cre create communities. They're trying to engage with audiences. They're trying to connect with people. And mm -hmm. I want to know if we can get some insight into that process for you. What were the steps that you took to grow a thriving Muslim community within your organization and really increase participation and engagement from the community members. And maybe we can get inspired by that, get some ideas also mm -hmm. as business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, for me, it was simple, right? Look, we've got, we've got a network. We've got Muslims. Muslims either don't know about the network. Muslims either don't want to be part of the network because they don't know what it is. And like I said in the beginning, you know, we're scared of the unknown mm -hmm. or Muslims categorically dislike the network for whatever reason right so i was like okay so now it's about how do we reconcile the two and yeah. like again going back to you know my upbringing and seeing what my parents would do is, is speaking with people and just being like hey you know brother you come to this event now nah, bro it's not my thing bro why not you know we've got this person coming it'll be good come and have a chat and just come for 10 minutes and it was literally in person you know conversations and I wouldn't use begging as the right word, but more like beseeching people and, you know, getting people to buy into their idea. One person, literally one person at a time. Right. You know, and that's I, the I mean, thing that people don't want to do, right? Because it's a grind. Yeah. It, it's a process. Of course. It, it's hard work. It's it's really hard work. And it, I guess it falls down to your intentions. If my intentions were ever to, you know, grow it for myself, I feel like I would have given up maybe after the first day. But I always knew, look, this isn't, this isn't something I'm doing for myself alone. I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do and that was what kept me going and making sure I kept you know doing this and I kept you know because what would I get if you know person xyz comes to an event you know I'm not I'm not getting their signing up fee for them you know I, mm. I'm not getting any benefit out of them but I wanted them to realize what benefit they could get from it and as a result of them getting that benefit someone else could get that benefit and it was tough right like it it wasn't, you know, miraculously that like one night we just came in and we had 700 people sitting there and, you know, wanting to all connect and wanting to do things together. It was slowly and steadily getting more and more people involved. And it was a lot of changing things as well, right? 
It was understanding what do the members want. And I guess that goes mm. for businesses, right? Like, 100%. You know, where I guess as people that have ideas, people that may be seen as visionaries, sometimes you get a quite, you know, blocked up into your way of thinking and you get tunneled into thinking, you know, this is my idea. This must be the best thing in the world. Because, you know, I've come up with it, you know, two, three, five, ten people agree with it. So it must be the best thing in the world. But but like any great business or any, you know, great person, it's always about changing. And it's always about making sure you're being compatible with your community. And right. again, if you go back to the best example we have of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when you think about how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave da'wah and gave invitation of Islam to you know, the non-Muslims at the time, it wasn't a uniform approach, right? You know, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't, you know, explain, didn't give miracles to everyone. To some people, he realized, you know, they need reason, so he used reason. For some people, he realized, he know, he knew they needed action, so he threw, showed through his actions. For some people, you know, he needed miracles, so he showed miracles. And, and that's what we sometimes forget to encompass within our own life to change our approach, you know, mold our approach according to the people we work with, mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, life is not just about a one straight line and you know we're going to get from a to b sometimes you need to go from hair to hair to hair to hair to hair to get there and that's the same you know we realize okay people want to see this okay but if we've got 100 people here not everyone's going to want the same thing not everyone's going to want to come to the same event so you're never going to get you know 100 people joining up to do one thing so you need to be able to give a diversity of choice to people and when you're able to give a diversity of choice when you're able to make people feel like, you know, okay, they're doing things because I asked them to do this or because I wanted it, they feel more inclined to come. And I remember a very distinct example of this one guy who I could never, ever get to come to an event. Really amazing guy, you know, like, you know, really, really gem of a human. I remember he took me out to lunch within my first week. You know, we'd regularly catch up. But whenever I'd say come to an event, it's like, nah, don't don't think this is good for me, you know, don't see how it benefits me, blah, 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 blah. And I remember once asking him, you know, what kind of event would you like? And I can't really remember what exact event it was, but we, we did something similar. And I said to him, look, you got no excuses this time, you know, this is something you said you want to do, you know, you got to come. And he came and he's one of our most, you know, prolific members right now. And to me, that was, okay, that was only possible by listening. I could have, we could have easily kept doing the same thing again and again and then wondering why it isn't working. But rather, it's about changing. It's about listening. Uh, and I actually just said this yesterday to a group of my friends. The one thing that I value, the one skill that I value greatly that I've developed over the last few years is, is the skill of listening. You know, mm. As a team, I was very quick, and I'm sure many people here will agree, you know, you're very quick to dismiss people's thoughts Especially, you know, when you think you're right, you know, everyone else is wrong, no matter who they are, right? Could be the imam of the mosque, could be your parents, could be your sibling, best friend, you know, spouse, whoever it is, you know, if you feel you're right, you're right. But what I've realized and I'm very, very grateful for is the art of listening and drives so much success. And the more I listen, the more I realize how much I don't know about the world. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a scholar and I can't remember his name now, you know, he was like, you know, the more, the more I read, the less I feel knowledgeable. Because the more I realize that I don't know so much in the world. And that's the same with listening. You know, we've got, we have to listen to people around us. And we have to remember, right, what's the, what's the aim of the work we're doing? So my work is community work, right? It's all voluntary. You know, there's no, you know, I don't get a promotion for it. You know, 
even my title per se, it's a voluntary title. You know, I don't get extra pay for it. You know, it, it doesn't feed into anything. Everything that it's done is done voluntary. Right. So for me, it was never, okay, this is what I'm going to get out of it. But rather it was, I'm doing this for the community. So I, I don't see myself as a chair of the community. I see myself as a servant of the community. I'm here to serve my members. I'm here to do what they want from me. And the only way I'm going to do it is, you know, by listening. And it's, you know, if I could give a top tip, you know, it would be to listen, listen, and then listen again. That, that, that's just you know, the, the way it works. And that's not just from the Muslim community perspective. You know, Alhamdulillah, I've been very blessed and lucky to have loads of client success and loads of corporate success. And it's always been listening to what the people want and then making, you know, your strategy, then making your plan rather than making a plan, making a strategy and trying to fit it into people and say, you know, no, you want this. No, it, it works the other way. And that's where people struggle because people don't want to listen to other people because everyone, sadly, you know, the way the world is, everyone thinks they're the best thing in the world. 100%. And honestly, I just want to really say that like what you just said in the last uh, five, 10 minutes about listening and really about tailoring what you offer and what you do towards, you know, the needs of the community and the needs of the people by listening to them, that is not only so crucial to live a good life, but it's also the most important part of running a business. And again, a lot of our audience is entrepreneurs and so much of my time spent when it comes to coaching my students is all about really getting them to focus on not skipping further ahead and creating something they think people are going to like, or they think, you know, this is a good idea and people are going to love this, or this is a new product. And I think it's going to work. It's like, no, go speak to your market, speak to people and understand what are their pain points? What are their desires? What do they struggle with? What do they need? And then based on that feedback, go and create those solutions for them. And that is really the approach that is required, not only in business, but in life, but in building communities and everything else. And so I just wanted to stress the importance of what you said here. It's it's really a gem uh, of a golden nugget that you just dropped. So I really appreciate that. And I want to I want to build on that. And really expand that you are an entrepreneur, which is intrapreneur. Entrepreneurship is essentially an entrepreneurial person within an organization. So whether it's building an initiative, whether it's doing something yourself, but you're contributing within an organization through an entrepreneurial level. Now, a lot of professionals that listen to this, they might think, well, I work in an organization as well. And I would be interested in maybe starting a community like this. Uh, We don't really have anything for Muslims here and we're a big company or there's a certain event that I would like to put together. There's maybe a certain project that I'd like to put together. Is there any tips or any strategies that you could recommend for someone else that's in the same shoes that you Mm -hmm. were in when you first joined EY and, you know, Mm -hmm. they want to do this as well for their own organizations. Is there anything that we can give them? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, going back to that initial piece of, you know, why I wanted to do it. Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has really blessed us with so many successes and we've come to a stage where I feel like as a community, you know, we've met certain goals and we've come to, you know, a certain standard now where, you know, we've become market leading per se. And, you know, and we've come to a stage where, you know, every week I'm speaking to probably one, two, three companies that want to do something similar. Mm -hmm. And now it's come to a stage where, you know, goals change and things change. You know, my goal is no longer just to make that community within our firm. It's, making that community for Muslims. And subhanAllah, it's come to a stage where I, I don't want it just for Muslims. I want that community for every single person of faith that has a faith to be able to go and practice that faith at work properly, openly, without any, you know, 
without being scared, without feeling like it's going to have a detrimental effect on their, you know, careers. Right. So the, t- the advice, you know, I always give to people that are wanting to you know, start something up is, you know, understand what your members want from that community at work. No. Right. And it might not be one straight answer, right? So if mm-hmm. I was to ask my community today, which I did last week, you know, we had a feedback session where literally it was just me and my fellow coacher who's you know absolutely brilliant and who's pretty much who should be the right one on the on the show here to be honest. She's she does amazing work, you know, a lot of the work behind the scenes. And it was trying to understand, you know, what does our community want? And and the frank answer is they don't want one thing. We had mm-hmm. parents on there that were like, you know. I want best Muslim resources for, for my kids, especially now that we're all you know teaching from homes. So I want that, right? And there was maybe you know twenty percent of the group who are parents like, yeah, we all want that. Then then there's then there's a faction per se of people that were like, you know what? I, I'm so busy with work, I don't get a time to go and you know attend classes at mosques or at institutes. I want to learn Arabic or I want to learn Tajweed or all of this stuff. So can you provide that opportunity for us? And we've realized, okay, members, some members want this. Then we have members who are like. You know, I really want to grow my network. I don't know anyone. You know, I'm stuck in a team where no one looks like me. No one understands me. How do I progress my career? I need a mentor. You know, I need networking abilities. I want to meet people. So we need to provide them with those opportunities. So for people that want to start something up, you know, within their own workplaces, it's first first of all, right, it's your intention. Why, why are you doing this? And I guess, you know, there's a reason why Imam Bukhari or the Allah Started off his, you know, Sahih with the hadith in al amalu bin niya. Every action is dependent on its intention, and I feel like you know, it, it's the crux of our religion, right? How every action we do, you know, depending on our intention, is how it will, you know, live out in the world. Not only in in the next world, but also in this world. You know, and many people will have realized this if everyone took a minute to just contemplate. You know, whenever you started an initiative with the idea of look i'm doing this to help others i'm doing this to help people allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places so much barakah in it and, and it goes so great versus sometimes when you do something in, in a place of spite or arrogance or hatred you know it, it's short-lived right so with those communities my first you know I, and it becomes a bit of a lecture you know when i have with these people just last week i was speaking to brothers from another firm and they're like you know, bro, we were expecting some practical tips, but, you know, I just left here feeling like I've come out of the mosque and someone just gave me like a really long lecture about, you know, Islam and intentions. But I was like, bro, once once you got that part of your, you know, trajectory correct and you've got that foundation strong, your successes will snowball and it will come in so, so, so quickly. And rather than trying to grow and trying to run before you can crawl, spend your time and build the strength in your legs so you're crawling so properly that, you know, you'll run quicker and you'll be able to run for longer. And that's that's the way. So intention is very key because if you don't have the right intentions, you know, you're going to get bogged down really quickly. Sometimes I, I, you know, when we used to host events, maybe five people would turn up and that can have a big impact. You know, when you spent maybe 20 hours over, over three weeks trying to get something together and five people turn up, you're like, man, this is so bad. Right. And, and as humans, right, we feel bad and, you know, we feel underrated or we feel devalued and demoralized. But what kept me going in the time was, look, I'm not doing this for a number of people. I'm doing this even if one person gets benefit out of this. Look, my job here is done. And, and when you have that, it helps you to really go on. In terms of practicality, because obviously, you know, practicalities are important and, you know, things don't just happen by having strong intentions. You're going to put actions in your intentions is, 
you know, make make a plan to what your members want from you. And similar to the way, you know, businesses do focus groups to what their customers want. You, know, yeah. you need to do the same for communities. What do my members actually want from me? And start with one goal. You know, members want this one thing that we feel like is more prominent than everything else because you can't do everything at once, right? It, it's a building journey. And you should realize sometimes that this journey will probably outlive your tenure at that company. You, know, you might not be able to see the full fruits of your success while you're at that company. But again, it goes back to intentions. If your intentions are correct, that's not going to be a worrying point for you because your intention is I'm doing this for the community for the long run. So even if I don't get to see it, it's amazing as long as it works. And again, you know, it's that one person at a time, you know, using your personal network, you know, inviting people personally. You know, people are much likelier to attend an event when you've invited them personally rather than send out, you know, a generic message via email or put it on a WhatsApp group or, you know, throw it up on Twitter or throw it up on Instagram, all of these places. Like if you, you know, if you hand invite or, you know, phone call someone or meet someone in person, like some brother or sister, you know, if you see this thing is coming up, why don't you join it? You'll get so much more traction. Right. And secondly, I feel like we're in a very, very good state at this minute in terms of the world for Muslims to grow in the corporate world. You know, it, it's the best time to be a Muslim in the corporate world. And whenever I say this, lots of people pick me up on it and they're like, really? Like, <laughs> I, I just, I think it's the opposite, right? I think it's like one of the worst times to be a Muslim because all the stuff that goes on in the media and, you know, all these, you know, your colleagues might be thinking all of this. I'm like, no, that's the reason why it's the best time for you to be a Muslim in the workplace. For a lot of your colleagues, you know, you will be the first actual Muslim you, they'll interact with properly, Right. You'll be someone they're spending eight, nine, ten hours a day every day for you know, six months, a year, two years. And these people will look at your actions and determine, okay, this is what Islam is. This is what Muslims are. So whether you like it or you don't like it, right, every single Muslim in the corporate world, in the West, is a role model for Islam, right? Like when I joined my first day, I remember I was at an induction event you know, in the office and one of the like heads of recruitment or something was sat next to me and you know we were just sitting and he was like, Shall I shall I you know order you a, a drink from the restaurant? I was like, Yeah, seven up, please. He's like, No, 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 I can order you like, you know, something heavier. And he was alluded to alcohol. I was like, Oh, sorry, you know, I, I don't drink. And he goes, Oh, that's interesting. You know, why don't you drink? And I was like, Oh, because and to me in my head, I'm thinking, mate, this is like common sense, man. I've got a bed. You know, my name's my first name is Muhammad, right? So like, <laughs> Muhammad, but also child, like, why don't I drink? I was like, oh, because I'm Muslim. He's like, he was literally like, wait, Muslims don't drink? I was like, no. And he was like, but, you know, Mo and my team is with me in the pub every Friday. And I was like, <laughs> I, don't know, I was a bit like, uh, maybe Mo's, I don't know. I don't know what to say, right? Because what do you say? But it, it, it gave me a really pertinent reminder of, you know, the first person these people will see is what they think Islam is, what they mm. think Muslims are like. And to me, I felt I got closer to my faith. I became a better Muslim, you know, and, and I'm skeptical of saying the word of becoming a better Muslim, but, you know, lack of finding another word. I became a better Muslim whilst at workplace because I felt I was forced by my environment to be a better embodiment of the prophetic mm. way you know, of Islam. And when, when you do that, right, when you make Muslims realize that, it brings that sense of, oh no, I've got a communal duty. I've got an obligation here to do things a bit differently. You know, I might be a bit more lax in, in the way I do things. You know, I, I may not I may not fast in Ramadan, but 
damn, you know, imagine imagine my colleagues ask me, like, hey, hey, you know, I just seen this comms come in and saying it's Ramadan. Are you fasting? And you're like, no. So it might force them to fast and all these things. So being a Muslim now is really, really great because the world is coming to a stage where it's open to the ideas of people having different faiths, people, you know, believing in different things, people, you know, learning about racism, people learning about Islamophobia and not only learning, it's senior leaders in most of the biggest companies in the world. It's something that's on the agenda, right? In every single boardroom, every single C-suite in the world, or, you know, not every single one, but most most C-suites in the world, you know, diversity is up there. Uh, And we're quick as Muslims, you know, sadly to think, you know, that's only race or, you know, maybe that's only sexuality, maybe that's only gender. But race, sexuality and gender are up there because people have fought for that cause for years, decades, you know, you know for gender parities, you know, centuries. And if, if we don't take that initiative now in a, in a time where the world is going towards a stage of being open to ideas and trying to encompass and incorporate these ideas into everyday Western values, you're never going to do it. And so now it's the most imperative time to have those communications. Uh, and for Muslims that want to set up that network, it's realizing, look, I can't just go to my manager on top of me because, and this is general career advice, right? Sometimes, you know, managers are very tunneled in their way of thinking because they're looking just down on you and you're the only person they're responsible for or three or four other people. But when you go to the person who's right at the top of the food chain, right, the chair, the CEO, the head, whatever, that person you know, he or she is someone who actually thinks for the long longevity of the firm. And they know, you know, the longevity of the firm sits within how best it can attract talent, how best it can attract diverse talent. So when you go to them with ideas, they're so quick at accepting ideas because they know it's for the betterment of the firm. Whereas your manager might be thinking, if he or she does this, it's going to take them 10 hours a week, you know, it's going to have a negative impact on this area. And that's all they're worried about. But those at the top don't. So it's always make your plan, get us, you know, make your plan on a paper, a four piece of paper. This is what we want to do. This is the benefit it's going to get for our members, i.e. employees. This is the benefit it's going to get for the firm. And that's around that, you know, attraction and retainment of best talent. And take it to people right at the top. And they genuinely have no reason to say no. <laughs> like when you give yeah. like the corporate world, right? Like when you think about the finance world and the corporate world, you know, if something makes sense, there's, there's no way someone shuts it down. Right. If it makes business sense, if it's good for the business, and it's realizing that bridge between this is good for people versus this is good for business. And it's reconciling the two. 100%. And I want to I wanna build on something that you said earlier as well, um, essentially about five minutes ago, and it was about the mindset, the intention, right? When you mentioned that you had a meeting with a few brothers, they wanted some help with the community. And, and you know, instead of giving uh, some actual tips, it sounded like you gave a lecture. I, I wanted to bookmark that in my mind because... I just had a discussion this morning, subhanAllah, with uh, our students in our, in our mentorship program. And we were talking about the different strategies that we can employ in business. And the focus of the conversation ended up being really me telling everyone just the importance of, look, it doesn't matter what strategy you follow. It really doesn't matter because no matter what idea you give me, no matter what business model you want to, you want to follow, no matter what strategy you want to, you want to implement in your business, no matter what tactic, what tip, what hot new marketing funnel, doesn't matter. There's a million ways to achieve success, but the key that's going to, to really move the needle forward is going to be your mindset, right? How do you approach this? And are you taking action? Because I can give 
I can put the key to success in your hands, put it in the palm of your hand. But if you don't have the right mindset to take that key and then go and open the door, then it's completely useless. It's worthless, right? There's no value. So if we focus on the mindset, if we focus on, as you mentioned, what is your intention behind it? And what is the goal behind building this community or growing this network? And then putting the focus more on really bringing value to people in a specific way and bringing benefit to their lives, bringing them solutions, then the rest will automatically follow. Whereas if we're focused on how can we get, you know, this many people in the group and then, you know, we're going to sell them this many programs and we're going to do this and we do that is it's always going to be a struggle. It's always, and it's not going to come off as genuine either. And I feel like, especially in a day and age that is just absolutely flooded with influencers and social media celebrities, people could really like smell a fake from a mile away, I feel. And so really now nothing works except if you're genuine, except if you really come from a place of purposeful intention to give value. And, And when you do that and people see that and they see that you're earnest in your efforts, then people will naturally gravitate and want to help you and want to be part of what it is that you're doing because it it comes from that pure place. So I just wanted to give that comment and give you the room if you want to add to that. It's a beautiful thing. I I definitely agree with you, right? Mindset, intention, values, all of these things are so integral to any success, right? Whether that's corporate success, whether that's educational success, whether that's business success, whether that's religious success, all, all successes boil down to What's your mindset? And, you know, it might be, again, easy for me to say, oh, this is the Muslim community, this is how it works. But if I was to give a couple of examples from people I know and, you know, people I've connected with over the years, you know, I've got three distinct examples that come straight to my head when you talk about being genuine and how, you know, being an influencer isn't good enough if you're not genuine. And I think of three social enterprises per se, you know, and you've got them in Dean Developers, which a friend of mine created, which was just, you know, a group for Muslims in tech to get what get together, build products, you know, and give back to the community. From from his idea to fruition now, where they you know they're building product products where they built um, a salah app which lets you book places at mosques. That was because of the lockdown, and I you know I can't remember how many million prayers were booked on that website. And how did it start? It started from someone just genuinely wanting to give back to the community. And then I think of another friend who started up something called the Muslim Census, which is about, you know, identifying what key issues are affecting the British Muslims. You know, from, from idea to now over a thousand Muslims speaking about, you know, what, why they might not trust the government or, you know, what's, how is COVID impacting them? Or, you know, how, how, what's, what's racism like in the Muslim community? And to the final one, you know, another friend who helped develop another social media app called Minideed, which is where, you know, small charity, you can, instead of liking a post, every person like a pence. When I think about that and how it's grown over the last year and over, you know, 17,000 pounds was raised on this platform that literally came out of people just genuinely wanting to do things for the community. And that's just three you know examples that straight away come to my mind and if i was to give examples like we'd have to have another whole podcast maybe a whole series of podcasts just to go through examples of people when when you're genuine you know, as muslims right we always know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know places barakah in the things we do you know if we're you know true to our values we're true to our obligations you know we keep our faith at the forefront there'll be barakah in what we do and even if things don't work out how we feel like they should have worked out we are strong and we know how that you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran I am the best of planners and when, when you when you get that in your head that you know everything that is planned is for the best so this temporal 
you know, failure I've come across. It's only going to be a catalyst for my success in the future. And if I won't see it in this world, I'll see it in the next world. And it gives you so much comfort, you know, it gives you so much warmth as a Muslim, knowing that, you know what, you know, my God is there for me. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking out for me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has got plans in place for me. So I'm going to give my best. I'm going to tie my camel. And I'm going to leave it to him because I trust in him. And if it works, it's because it's for the best. And if it doesn't work, it's still for the best. And when you can, you know, really live that mindset, you know, I, I can't even explain how much success, you know, success, I was, I'd say, would follow you instead of you trying to follow success because you've, you've sort of hacked life, right? You've sort of worked out, okay, but for me, my, my success is being happy with myself and being content with my God and everything that else comes is just secondary and tertiary. Right. So definitely, definitely agree with you, Dabi. Well, uh, thank you so, so much for sharing that. Honestly, brother, I think there's just so much to take away from this episode already, mashallah, and so many gems that even myself, I will take away and I will cherish very deeply. So I thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. I have one more question for you and then we'll dive inshallah into some audience Q&A because we have a few questions from the audience as well that are coming up and that I'd love to answer with your help. So before we start diving into the Q&A, and guys, if you're watching this, mashallah, we have so many people live, YouTube, Facebook. If you guys have any questions for with us or myself about communities, about everything that we discussed, please let me know in the comments and we'll try to address them, inshallah. The one that I ask every single guest when they join me on this episode, and I'll ask you as well, is if you could meet young with us that are from, let's say, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, still growing up, mm -hmm. still a kid. Still, you know, trying to find his path in life. And you could tell him, you could tell him one thing. You could tell him one thing that he could maybe cherish, that he could hold on to. What would that one thing be? <laughs> you know, it's funny, right? Um, last night I was having a conversation with a few friends about, you know, things we used to do at school and, you know, all the troubles we used to get up to. And I said in that conversation as well, if I was to go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, even if I was to go back to the day I was born, if someone said to me, would you change something? Would you give yourself some advice? I'd honestly say I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. And, and people are always like, oh, really? Come on, man. You, you want, must want to change something, right? You know, you must want to give yourself some advice on how to do things. And I'm like, no, because I know that Allah is the best of planners, right? So everything, every action, when that leaf that falls off the tree that no one is looking at is planned and written and is done to perfection, you know, my whole life, the way, no matter which way it pans out, it, it's to perfection. And how do you change perfection? How do you give advice on perfection? You can't, you don't. So to me, it's always, I wouldn't change a thing. And I'd always say, you know, be, I always say be yourself, which is a very generic statement. And it's a very like, you know, waffly corporate statement, you know, be yourself, be yourself. But the, the idea of being yourself is being true to yourself, right? Not compromising on things that are important to you for any temporal success to try and get yourself into you know a job trying to get that promotion and giving up some part of you that's important to you and that's what i feel is the crux of being yourself and that's mm -hmm. advice i give to myself every day literally when i wake up in the morning you know i'm always like okay i'm gonna i want to be myself in every interaction every communication i have today does that always make me successful no does that you know always open up doors for me no but i'm more comfortable knowing that the things i've gotten for me are good for me because I was who I am and I'm happy and proud of who I am because of my upbringing, because, you know, of my connection to the mosque and because of, you know, my teachers and all of these things. So I'm really happy and proud of that. So I guess it's getting to that stage of, you know, being 
happy with yourself and being content mm. with, with yourself and having that trust and having that tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, definitely. And understanding that things don't happen to you, they happen for you, right? Definitely. Everything in our life happens for us. It doesn't happen to us. Thank you for sharing that, brother. We got a few questions in, in the comments and I want to dive into them, inshallah, before you run out of time. And again, just thank you for sharing your time with us today and for coming on and sharing all these gems, mashallah. I've enjoyed it so much and I know the audience has as well. So we're very excited to get some of your answers to these questions. The first one that I have here uh, is from one of our viewers on Facebook. And mm -hmm. she says, Assalamu alaikum. Hope you're doing well, inshallah. And she has a question. And it's, how do you stay motivated as an entrepreneur? And in your case, as a professional in this day and age? Because even I know a lot of professionals that, you know, mm -hmm. during a career, they're excited in the first year. They're excited in the second year. Same thing with mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. We're excited first year, second year. And then it starts to dwindle down, right? Excitement dies down. Motivation dies down. Do you have a way? Do you have any tips for keeping up that motivation, that excitement? I guess the most important thing first has to be honest. I, I'm not motivated every single day, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, no one is, right? No, everyone goes. Everyone goes through stages of, oh, it's not worth it. Oh, I'm just going to give back. Oh, I'm going to give up. That's true. What, what What makes me come back is the people around me, right? Uh, the Prophet you know, really, really placed such huge emphasis on having good company, and you know, everyone, everyone knows that you know hadith about. You know, if you have if you're friends with a someone who sells perfume, you're gonna come out of their shop smelling nice. You know, if you're mm. friends with an iron smith, you're gonna come out of their shop with dirt all over you. And that's such an important part because when you're around motivated, committed people, you know, you are a product of your company. You know, these people will drag you along and pull you up to their station. And it's finding like-minded people, finding people who you aspire to be like, right? Because I feel like we're very quick to find people. Who are very similar to us, which is natural, right? That's that's your friends, you know, people that think like you, people that interact like you. But sometimes you have to find people that you aspire to be like, and it might not be, you know, entirely like them. It might be just one avenue of their life you aspire to. You know, I, I have a mentor who, you know, we share nothing. You know, no faith. You know, we're very different, different backgrounds, born in different countries, speak different languages. But I aspire into how organized he is with his time and how he builds his network. And whenever we interact, for me, I know this is the person I want to be like in this, you know, avenue of life. So it's building and getting yourself good company. And I know we don't speak about that part of around building your personal brand, but it it's it's so important to find people. And finding people, it's it's not easy, right? It's it's you know, especially in nowadays world, right, where, where everything you know, you're locked down, you're sitting at home. How, how do you find people? we're lucky right we've got so much social media you know you've got linkedin you've got facebook you've got twitter you've got all these areas but nothing 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 beats human interaction mm. and it's finding time giving time for other people and other people will give time for you you know it, it, it's a you got to give to got to get back world and it's important that you get good company that motivates you all the time and then and, and the second part you know it's intention Again, you know, when, when you know you're doing this for a certain reason, I, I never see my work as work. I, I, I see it as a part of my faith. Right. And it's funny because I see every minute that I'm working as a means of me earning reward in the eyes of God. And again, people are like, what? Like, what, what the heck, bro? Like, you know, you're doing a 95. How, how is that earning your reward? And I'm like, it goes back to your intention, right? I, I'm working to earn a halal risk, uh, to feed my family, to feed myself you know, in a halal way. And by doing that, by fulfilling that obligation, I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rewarding me for it. And when you have that mindset in the way you work, every single 
minute of every single day you realize it's a way of getting closer to god mm. and that that feeling and that euphoria really helps you you know grow so connections mindset and trust 100%. I love that answer, mashallah. Thank you so much. This is going to be rapid fire because we got a lot coming in. So I'm going to throw a few more at you, brother. Uh, one is from another sister on Facebook. And she says, you mentioned about perfectionism. I feel like this is one of the diseases that truly stops us from working on our visions. Do you have any advice on how we can overcome this? Yes. So uh, see, perfectionism, it, it's, it's even hard to define perfectionism, right? Because what you got to realize is every human thinks differently. Every human feels differently. You know, no one, like no one, will ever agree on the same thing. You know, you think about democracy, right? Like, you know, fifty percent of people might vote for a president, but forty-nine, you know, forty-nine percent of people won't. And you know, those forty-nine percent of people will not be happy with things. And it's the mm-hmm. same with businesses, and it's same with products. What you gotta get good at is learning. Okay, what do I want? And it's having that self-contemplation, that self-reflection of. Now, what's perfectionism for me, right? And is it becoming a hindrance or is it becoming a catalyst of success? If you feel like it's becoming a hindrance, you need to know that this isn't perfectionism because it's stopping me from going forward. Versus if this is, you know, this is really motivating me, it's become a catalyst for my success. It helps me, you know, inspire myself, go to the next level. I need more of this. We need to impact more of that. Uh, it. It is a disease, right? Because it sometimes you can have a great idea and then you're like, Nah, this isn't good. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna doubt myself. I'm gonna do this, and it goes back to that having good company. You know, people that I interact with daily will tell you I literally throw ideas at them. You know, like spur of the moment thing. I'll just be like, Hey guys, I want to do an event for this. What do you even think? And sometimes they'll be like, Mate, what are you on about? Like this is like the most like, dumbest thing in the world. D- don't do that. Versus sometimes like, No, 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 this is great, but maybe change this. Do it like this. Do it like this. So it's having that good company, having that support network around you, because I. I personally don't think I have any success in life alone. Now, every mm-hmm. single one of my successes, you know, is a product of my parents, their upbringing, their prayers, my family, my friends, my support groups, people I work with, my members in my community. All these people working together enable, you know, one person's success. Yeah. And it's really important to find that group. I want to ask you a quick question, brother. And this is from me based on what you're saying. Because I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who's listening to this and they're like, I completely see the value in that. And how can I, how can I develop that? And I'm, I might have, I might be an introvert, someone who doesn't have a lot of friends or especially with COVID, I can't really go out right now. Is there, is there anything that I can do to, to build that network, to join a community like that, to build these relationships right now mm-hmm. at a time where I don't have them? Is there anything yeah. that we can do for that? Yeah. Like, like, I, like I said in the beginning, right? A lot of, and I'm becoming more and more, you know, get, getting to a stage of realization with this. A lot of the advice I give is from a place of privilege. And privilege isn't just financial, right? You know, I, I'm privileged that I'm an extrovert by nature and that helps me build relationships. You know, I'm privileged with the fact that I enjoy speaking to people. And not everyone has that same privilege. For someone that's, you know, an introvert, someone who's struggling to find connections, you need to realize when, when I walked into the corporate world, I had, I told you, five people I knew in the corporate mm. world. That's it. You know, to now, alhamdulillah, you know, if you were to ask any company, you know, pretty much, you know, any big company anywhere in the world, I probably know someone or know someone of someone that will get me there. And that's happened in six years. And when I look back, I think, subhanAllah, like, how did that even happen? How do I get there? And, and it comes back to, okay, it was because it was about giving time to people. And actually, 
connecting with people because, you know, I want to speak with them rather than I want to get something out of them. In a COVID world, right, it's it's super tough, right, because I obviously do a lot of going out, hosting networking events. But what I realized was, look, there is a big need for Muslims, especially in the UK, right? And I know we've got global members here, but I, I can only speak about the UK because that's where I interact, was mm-hmm. there's a need here for Muslims to get together, to learn from one another, speak from one another, you know, share ideas, all of this stuff. But there was nothing available or nothing available that I felt was accessible. So, you know, a few a few of my friends, I think there was three of us, so four including me, we got together one Friday night for a dinner because everyone's team was going to the pub and we just didn't feel like going, obviously. So we got together for dinner. We are like, you know what? This was like a really nice dinner. Well, we should do this like more often. Maybe let's do it like once every three months. Then after three months, you know, instead of three, there was eight of us because we called a couple of more people. And that snowballed into, you know, just before COVID, we held our last dinner. We've got 500 people from 100 different firms that come to this dinner every quarter, you know, 100 plus attendees in each dinner. And what it was is, you know, it was not really an idea. You know, when, when, when we had that first dinner, it wasn't, oh, we're going to host, we call it an axe dinner because it's for Muslim guy. But, you know, we wasn't going to just host a dinner that was going to be for 500 people, you know, every quarter. It was, we just want to connect with one another and grow. And when there's a need for things, that happens. For, for introverts and people in COVID, the advice I would give is get get on social media, start, you know, interacting with people, speaking with people. And we need to really, you know, give our time to people and, you know, just speak with people because we genuinely want to learn from them mm-hmm. rather than, you know, use them to get to the next step. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you do, you know, you interact and you connect with people because you feel like you're going to gain something from them. And I always tell people, no, you know, as much as you're going to gain from me, I'm going to gain from you. And you need to have that mindset in, you know, no one's doing me a favor by giving me the time. You know, no one's time is more valuable than my time. You know, we're all here on earth for a limited number of years, you know, limited number of days in some instances. And where my time is as valuable as the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. And I strongly believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's about realizing the value of your time. And when you're giving that time to other people, realizing the value of those people's time. And that mm-hmm. helps you build long-lasting connections. 100%. I completely agree with that. And it's really like you mentioned where you can approach it from a perspective of pursuing a certain goal through that relationship, but instead nurturing a relationship where it's a a give and take. And that's what every good relationship is. It's where you try to give of yourself and the other person gives of themselves. And then that's where the best connections happen. I completely agree with that. We're going to do one more, inshallah, because I know we're almost, we're already past uh our time so we're gonna squeeze one more inshallah and this is from another you know what we did two from facebook so we're gonna do one from youtube uh from our youtube viewers right here i'm just gonna pull it up we've got a few on that one second and this one is from sadiq on youtube salams mudassar where do you want the ey muslim community to be in the next year uh funny 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 firstly and we had a strategy discussion not too long ago right and mm-hmm. for me personally, I, I think we want our community to be in the next year, become a community where other communities and other firms are able to learn and take our best practices and apply them within their firms. Like I said, from day one, it wasn't just building a community for members of my, you know, my firm. It was for people of all faiths, Muslims in you know, the corporate world in the UK. And mm-hmm. for us in the next year, our plan is simple. Give to the community what the community want and it's giving that diversity of choice 
giving them that opportunity to whether, you know, if they want Tajweed classes, hey, we'll give you Tajweed classes. Now, if they want networking events, hey, we'll give you networking events. If they want Islamic finance event that we're hosting in two days' time online, you know, we'll give you an Islamic finance event. So, you know, it's literally what, where we want to be in the next year is the same where I wanted to be five years ago, serving right. our community. Beautiful answer, mashallah. It's amazing. And thank you so much for answering all of these. Can we squeeze in one more? Because we have a really good one. <laughs> all right. So we got one more from Facebook. And yeah. this one is in implementing. This is the last one, I promise. Because also you guys are sending so many questions and they're also good, mashallah. So this one is in implementing your project. So in implementing uh, the growth of EYMC, did you meet any resistance from the inside? So colleagues or management, and how did you deal with that? So it's a great question that I'd love your insight on. If you meet yeah. some resistance for a project that you have, how do you deal with that? So, so I guess... I guess there's two parts to that, right? Mm -hmm. There's one part of, okay, do you get any resistance from being a Muslim community? My answer is no. And again, alhamdulillah, we're very lucky to work for an organization which breeds a culture where you can be your true self. You know, And, you know, I, I had the opportunity to speak with our global CEO and this is, you know, someone that's really high up in the food chain. I was like, you know, my, my managers, 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 manager, you know, hasn't spoken to them, all of this stuff. But I had the opportunity to do that. And what it what it tells me is, you know, because we're in a com company which really breeds great culture, which makes it an environment where people can be themselves, we have it very, very easy, right? So from that angle, no. In terms of resistance to general things, all the time, right? Like like I explained in the beginning, no, no one wants the same things. Everyone wants different things. So you know, we'll get resistance in the sense of, you know, someone will be like, hey, this event, like, uh, you know, I can't do it for this reason or I can't. I don't think this is a good event versus, you know, this is not a great initiative. But what you need to come back and remember is you can never please everyone. You can never make everyone happy, right? What you got to do is try and make an environment where you can make the most number of people happy. And for those small number of people you can't make happy, it's not to just leave them and, you know, shut them away because, you know, I've got 90% of people happy, so 10% I don't really care about. I'd say it's opposite. It's, you know, the 90% of people are happy. That, that's the easy part, right? Keeping them happy is easy because they're happy already. The 10% that aren't happy, it's understanding why and it's giving them the time to understand why. And it's having an open mind. Like, like I said at the beginning, right? We're very quick to be tunneled in the way we think and to think, you know, I'm, I'm right. You know, I, I'm guilty of this myself. Sometimes I come with an idea and I'm like, this is the best idea in the world. I might tell it to someone and they're like, nope, nope, this is awful because of X, Y, Z. And obviously my first instinct is, Nope, you know, you're just shutting this down because you know, it's my idea. But then going back to that point of about listening, you know, when I listen, I'm like, ah, okay, so this is this is where it's coming short. So this is how we need to mm -hmm. fix it. This is how we need to change it. And whenever you get, you know, people stopping you and you get hindrances, it's understanding the why rather than the, you know, what. It's, okay, why is this occurring? And having those honest and frank conversations, you know, okay, why can't we set up a community? And, you know, they'll be forced to give you proper answers. You need to give tangible answers. Okay, how do we overcome these barriers? It's not just asking the why, but how do we overcome these barriers, you know, and working through it. And again, you know, I'm saying it from a point of privilege and I'm saying it from a point of this is how you should do it. But if anyone wants to, you know, get in touch and share a specific detail and, you know, need some advice, more than happy to, you know, get in touch with me. And I'm sure I'll be able to share my details after the event so we can definitely, you know, have a conversation to understand why and, implement something more specific to a certain you know circumstance or scenario inshallah and then just 
honestly goes to show your generosity and just giving this as an opportunity to our audience and the people listening. So Modassar, I think we've kept you over time long enough. And I want to thank you for not only sharing your knowledge, your wisdom with us today and your experiences, but also for spending all of this time uh, to really answer the questions that our audience has. Mashallah, mm -hmm. you know, there were so many amazing questions that came in today and you took the time to answer them. So I want to really personally just thank you for that and express my gratitude. How can people connect with you? How can they, you know, where do you want to send them to? Someone that's listening to this, they're enjoying it. Where, they, where can they connect with you? Where should they go if they want to support you, learn more about you? Uh, <laughs> I don't think support's the right word. If someone wants to connect <laughs> with me and, you know, just, you know, share ideas with me, which I'm always happy to do, you know, you can meet me on Twitter. I'll send it to you. Of course, I do, so you can just put it up on the portal. So you can meet me on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, which I use quite frequently. Please, please do bear in please do bear in mind that I'm not as active or as quick in my responses as you might like, but I will definitely get back to you sooner rather than later, inshallah. And really inshallah. try and help. And so um let me just send through my LinkedIn link to you as well. And you can Yeah, we're actually um we're gonna pull it up right now and we're gonna also drop it in the description for anyone that's listening. So we'll have it in Mudassar, C-H underscore. Is it two underscores or one underscore? Two, two, underscore. two underscores. So Twitter, guys, if you want to find him on Twitter, it's Mudassar, M-U-D-A-S-S-A-R-C-H underscore, underscore. So that's on Twitter. And then on LinkedIn, search Mudassar Chaudhry. And we have the link here as well. We'll make sure to drop them in the descriptions. So if ever you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you're watching on YouTube, just check the description and we'll make sure to have the links there, inshallah. So you can connect with him, you can talk to him, and you can start a conversation. Thank you so much, brother, honestly, for coming on. Is there any final words that you wanted to give to your audience before we end this episode? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, like I started this conversation, I might end it in, the, in, in the same spirit. And, you know, you might say I'm banging on about it, but it's because it's so, so important, right? It's having faith and trust in God is absolutely paramount for any success in this world and the next and anyone that knows me or anyone that you know knows me from before and has spoke to me will realize that you know, every single one of my conversation whether that's at work you know whether it's with a ceo whether it's with a client whether whatever it's always being you know having trust in that greater being and remembering that you know failure is okay like you know, failure is temporary this this world is temporary right everything is finite everything is temporary and Everything that we do here is temporary, but what what's what's eternal? It it's it's the legacy we leave, right? Life is too short to just live for a few decades, but your legacy lives on, and you are in charge of you know how you make that legacy live on. When you pass away, people are not going to comment on you know this guy had thirty houses and had you know a twenty million dollar business. People will be like, oh, he was a he was a nice guy, you know, or you know, she she gave me her time and no one was speaking to me, or you know he gave me some advice when he didn't need to. And it's those interactions which define your eternal success. So it's remembering that, you know, work, business, you know, corporate life, you know, entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism, these are all secondary things in life. And when you find that true purpose of your life and you find that true faith element of your life, everything else falls into place. And remembering that the Prophet, Prophet is not just limited to faith right he's not just limited to how we get up and down in salah but he is an embodiment of best interaction and best human characteristics in every avenue of life 
Islam is not just a religion of praying five times a day. Islam is not just a religion of giving two and a half percent of your wealth every year. Islam is a manual for life. You know, any any you know issues that I have at work, when I try and think about how would the Prophet ﷺ deal with this? And when I think about that, it makes me embarrassed at times, right? Because I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't probably do that. That wouldn't be my first thought to do. And it shows me how much work I need to do on myself. So always, always, always bring back scenarios to the faith and think, what would the Prophet ﷺ do in this scenario? You know, someone's just, you know, you know, did something bad to you, become a hindrance to you. You know, would the Prophet ﷺ scold this person? Would the Prophet ﷺ be angry at this person? Would the Prophet ﷺ try and teach this person through good action? Would the Prophet ﷺ be stern you know what would the prophet do and when you start embodying those small things and it's not like a you know you're not going to just do it overnight and i don't do it all the time either it's about getting on that journey of trying to embody that and inshallah you know when you breathe your last like we will all breathe your last you know mankind will remember you for embodying the prophetic character and that's that's where your true absolutely true success is you know being a chair being a manager you know having a great job having a great business it's no value unless you make it of value, unless you have that right intention, unless you have that right mindset. And then it's got eternal value, right? Forget materialistic value. It's there for eternity. You know, it's there racking up good deeds for you even once you're out of this earth, you know, even once you're seven foot deep. So get your mindsets correct and, you know, reconnect with your communities and reconnect. You know, I'm a strong believer in, you know, reconnecting with your parents, making sure your parents are happy with you, you know, having a really great relationship with your parents because alhamdulillah you know heaven is under the feet of the mother for a very specific reason right it, it's not just a statement set out of you know randomness it, it's there for a specific reason and um, every time in life that i've listened to my mom and dad even at times when i thought it's the, it's the wrong thing to do i feel like it's been so much more valuable to me than things i would have done myself so you know it's just it just goes back to faith i guess is what i'm trying to say <laughs> 100% mashallah. Thank you so much for sharing that brother. And honestly, I couldn't agree more. And I think even in terms of entrepreneurship and the whole purpose behind the creation of Omarpreneur as an organization and as a company, it's to help the Muslim entrepreneurs build businesses that can positively impact their communities and those around them. And in the process, showcase the prophetic character to people that are Muslim and non-Muslim, whether it's through business dealings, through working with them as clients. When you operate and people see, wow, this is a Muslim running this business. This is a Muslim person that is serving me right now. And you you serve them better than they've ever served before. And you you make sure that you really, you know, come from a place of, 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 an, of an intentional, purposeful servitude where you really want the best for them. And you want to make sure that you embody that prophetic character of, of Muhammad Sallallahu This is really, I truly believe, the best way to change the narrative. And a lot, a lot of times we talk about how do we change the narrative of Islam? How do we change the image of Islam and Muslims in the media? And the purpose behind Umarpreneur is part of that. It's if we help Muslims build these amazing businesses where they are serving others, Muslim and non-Muslim, then we are able through every interaction, through every transaction, we have an opportunity there to change the narrative. We have an opportunity that is given to us. And that is why it's so important to apply what you just taught us right now brother with us so thank you so much for coming on honestly it was an absolute pleasure i learned so much and i'm sure everyone listening learned so much as well i'll drop your your links in the description make sure to connect with them on linkedin with us and as well on twitter inshallah and as well guys make sure to subscribe and follow us if you're listening on spotify apple Podcasts, or watching on youtube 
we bring an episode like this every single week. With that, thank you so much for joining us. Inshallah, we'll see you again. Take care, guys. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Abi. Thank you.